0: Well, Pastor Glenn and Kimberly are away uh, in, uh, back in upstate New York as uh, the East Coast Memorial Service for Kimberly's father uh, took place this week, and I talked to Glenn last night, and everything has gone so well. He appreciates our prayers, and he will be back uh, next Sunday, He'll be back this week, and make sure to come back next Sunday, uh, and he will be excited to, to finish up the story these last couple of weeks when he gets back. Well, we want to welcome everyone uh, that's here. And as Pastor Lisa was saying, if you're new with us, uh, we want to give a special welcome to you. And if you have a couple minutes after the service, I'd love to meet you. I'll be down in front here, and I'd love to get to know you that way. But also, I want to encourage you, uh, as she was saying, to go to our guest center if you're new with us. And we are uh, coming to the the final stages of what's called the story as we've been reading through and. Uh, focusing each Sunday on a chapter of the story. And the story is simply uh, the Bible uh, that has been taken and put in chronological form so that reads more like a novel, a a story you can see all the way through how it fits together and people are understanding it and it's been sweeping across the nation. Uh, We've sold over 4,000 copies as you've been giving them to to friends and and family. And uh, this morning, if you're new with us, in that guest packet that Pastor Lisa was talking about is a coupon that looks like this. And so you can take that to our resource center and we have a copy of the story we'd like to give to you this morning. You came on the the perfect week to become a a part of the story as we go through it together. Well, if you want to take, uh, open up your study outlines and as we do that, I want to welcome anyone who is uh, worshiping with us online and uh, how many of you have a favorite superhero or uh, how many of you love a a good superhero movie? Well, you probably recognize uh, this man here. Clark Kent, unlikely hero, right? You know, mild-mannered, introvert, passive journalist. And he goes into the phone booth, and what happens? He comes out. This conversion takes place, and he comes out as Superman, uh, world changer, superhero. And maybe uh, you recognize uh, this young man here, Peter Parker, the uh, lonely teenager struggling with the same struggles all adolescents struggle with. And, and he gets bitten by a radioactive spider. I was thinking about that. I would much prefer the phone boot to the radioactive spider bite. But he is uh, transformed as well and becomes Spider-Man. World changer. Superhero. And so there's this uh, common uh, superhero formula that happens for a good superhero story. You have the unlikely hero, you add a conversion or transformation that takes place and you get the superhero, the the world changer. And we see that formula play out in superhero stories, but uh, in the the fantasy world, but we also see it in the real life world as we look this week at a super missionary, the person of, of Paul who God used to change the world. And so we reached chapter 29 of the, the 31 chapters in the story. And in this chapter, uh, as in all of the, the, from the beginning of the story, we've seen that the, the message of the story, the message of God's story in the Bible is God's relentless pursuit to, to have us be in relationship with him. And we see the extent uh, described in two parts of the Bible of of the extent God will go to to bring us back to him. First, in the Old Testament, we see his plan is is simple. He he starts a new nation from scratch, Israel, and through that nation, he's going to reveal himself and his plan. And then in the New Testament, the second part, we see that that plan is very simple. It's, It's Jesus. Jesus is born out of the nation of Israel and he's the savior of the world. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. Last week Pastor Glenn uh, began to uh, sh- share with us about the fifth book of the, the New Testament. After the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. That tell the story of Jesus. Then the fifth book we saw the, uh, the, the rest of the story of God's plan. After Jesus was resurrected, after Jesus was resurrected, he uh, he, he spells out before he's uh, before he ascends to heaven, he spells out God's plan until Jesus was going to return, and that is the church. We saw last week that in Acts chapter two, that the church was birth in the on the day of Pentecost. In Jerusalem. Now the day of Pentecost was a day that, that there were people from all over that were there in Jerusalem and there were people that spoke many language and the Holy Spirit came upon the church and the church was birthed. The church is described throughout the New Testament as the body of Christ. That's the, the term that's used for this church that is birthed. In uh, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a member of it. You see, each one of us, when we choose to follow Jesus, we don't just enter an individual relationship. When I was, As a 17-year-old, when I chose to follow Jesus, I didn't just begin a relationship with Jesus, uh, an individual relationship with Jesus. I became part of the church. I became part of the body of Christ. That's what the the Bible tells us. And so what what is the body of Christ? The body of Christ simply means that when you and I together, as Christ followers, when we enter a room, it means literally Jesus enters that room. We are the living, breathing body of Christ. And so as we choose to follow Christ and as we yield our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit works in us to transform our lives and we individually and collectively start to think more and more like Jesus. We start to act more and more like Jesus. We start to treat people more like Jesus treats people. And in our weakness, or through our weakness, the transformation of God shows people, reveals Jesus to the people we interact with. We are his body. We are the church. So the question becomes, as the church, as the body of Christ, how far are we supposed to take that message? And that's the the answer that we see uh, in the book of Acts. Last week, Pastor Glenn started and ended uh, his message with Jesus's words that he gave the disciples just before he ascended into heaven in Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, Acts chapter one, verse eight uh, gives us an answer to that question of how far the message is to go. Uh, if you look at this map, you see that the, the church began in Jerusalem, down in the southern part there, uh, in the region of Judea, and then it says the message is not supposed to stay in Jerusalem or just in Judea, but to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. We see that the Acts um, Acts is an outline of that, uh, or Acts one eight is an outline of the book of Acts, and that chapters one through seven tell us about the spread of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and then it, in chapter 7 is when Stephen is stoned. He's not drunk. He, he's, he's executed, a horrible execution. And so in chapter 7, he, uh, Stephen uh, is stoned, and we see that, that he, uh, with that, we read at the beginning of chapter 8, it says this, uh, And Saul approved of their killing, and that's going to be important later, uh, the killing of Stephen, And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout where? Judea and Samaria. So with that, the persecution that took place, all of the Christians were, uh, these early Christians were spread out through Judea and Samaria, and they began reaching people for Christ, and so... uh, through Judea and Samaria. And then Acts uh, chapter 13 through 28, which we'll get to later, uh, talks about the spread of the gospel to the ends of the known world at that time, to the ends of the earth. Now, it's important to realize that when Jesus gave this command, he wasn't concerned about places on the map. It wasn't like he wanted to conquer territory and put, you know, little pins on the map of, of where he had gone. He was concerned about people. When the church began in Jerusalem, it was, uh, were all Jews. The disciples were all of Jewish faith. And that early church became uh, Christ, uh, Jews who received Christ as their Savior. And then as, uh, as the, the, the church spread in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, uh, it was clear that from the beginning, God wanted all people, all nations, all tribes, all languages to be reached for him throughout the earth. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And that's what chapter 29 is all about in the, book, uh, in, in, the, in the story as we continue in the book of Acts. Now the question is, who is going to be the point person to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth? And we learn that it is Paul, the unlikely missionary. Paul is as unlikely as a point person for this part of God's plan as Abram and Sarah were for, for the beginning of God's plan to, to start a new nation. Remember, Abram was, was 100 years old and Sarah was, was barren, unable to conceive a child. Not your first choice to, to start a nation, right? And Paul is as unlikely a super missionary for Jesus in the real world as Peter Parker and Clark Kent would be uh, unlikely candidates to become a, a superhero in the fantasy world. You see, uh, Paul was unlikely because, uh, to become a super missionary for Jesus because he was a hater and, and killer of Christians. Remember Acts chapter 8 verse 1 that we just read. There was Paul overseeing and giving his stamp of approval of the, the killing of Stephen because of his, his faith in Jesus. And Paul's goal in regards to the first Christ followers, as they, as they spread throughout Jerusalem and as they spread throughout these regions, Paul's goal was the same as we, we horribly read about ISIS in, in Iraq. It was to eliminate all Christians. That's who Paul was. But, Paul, but God appoints Paul to lead, to be the point person for this initiative. And God is doing in this chapter of the story the same thing we've seen him do in, in other chapters of the story. He appoints these unlikely point persons, these, these the people to do his work, so that when the miracle happens, the focus is not on who he appoints, but on, on him and what he is doing. Paul knew this in 1 Corinthians 15.9. He said, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I included a a chart there in the other column on the uh, first page of your outline there, Uh, and on the left column, it has Acts, it has the chapter of Acts, and then it tells the events. You notice that the first events up to the line are in chapters 1 through 7. Uh, that uh, describe the spread of the church in Jerusalem and the persecution that took place there. And then uh, the uh, chapters 8 through 12 are described, the events there. The, the next column is uh, the dates that we believe that these events took place. And so uh, the best guess of, of scholars as we look at this, these are event, the uh, approximate dates they took place. And then the fourth column, which is going to be important later, is the books or, or letters that were written at those times of those events and those dates. And so uh, when you uh, look at that chart and then you turn the page over, uh, you see the part of the chart from Acts 13 on that will take the, the, the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. But something has to take place before Acts chapter 13 and the message of God to the ends of the earth. Something has to take place within the life of this unlikely missionary. And so we see that uh, description in Acts chapter 9. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Acts chapter 9. We read it there about Paul's conversion. This unlikely missionary has this conversion. We see through the the first references to Paul that his given name was was Saul. And so it might be confusing as you read through uh, the the book of Acts. You see him referred to as Saul and then later as Paul. The same person. Saul was was born in Tarsus, which was uh, uh, the region uh, to the north of Israel, uh, which is modern-day Turkey. It was a Roman province, and he was uh, born a Jew. He was a a Pharisee. He described himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews. And so uh, he is on his way to Damascus with a purpose. He's on his way to Damascus, which was north of uh, of Judea, uh, where where uh, these early Christians were going, and he was going there uh, to track down and imprison and even to kill these early Christians. But on his way, he encounters Jesus. So Saul is blinded and he, he then uh, yields his, after this encounter, he yields his life to Jesus. He becomes a follower of Jesus and his uh, name is uh, then changed to, to Paul. His sins are forgiven and uh, we read the account of uh, Paul's conversion uh, in Acts chapter 9, but we also see Paul's purpose uh, revealed there too. He's blinded in that encounter with uh, Jesus and uh, so he has to have those who are with him lead him uh, to the, the city of Damascus. And, and continuing in Acts chapter 9, we see that read there about a follower of Jesus named Ananias. And Ananias has a, a vision uh, from God, uh, from Jesus, of, of Jesus, and Jesus telling him to go to Damascus and lay hands on Saul and restore his sight. And, and Ananias has the same reaction that, that I would have had. It's like, Jesus, are you sure, you know, you've heard the reports, right, of Of what Saul has been doing to your followers. And and you know why he's coming here to Damascus, right? Uh, You want me to do what? And then uh, Jesus' response in Acts chapter 9 verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. This is Paul's purpose. You notice it, it says to the people of Israel, but first it mentions to, the Gentiles, to bring Jesus' message, God's plan, uh, to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. Well, the rest of chapter 9 describes how the rest of the apostles uh, were there in Jerusalem. And as Paul's brought back to them, they're a little uncertain about this whole Saul-Paul conversion thing. And, and, and they kind of keep him at arm's length first. And they're not so sure they want to welcome him in with open arms and not sure how he might you know, stab them in the back. Uh, but then came Barnabas, one of the leaders in the early church. And Barnabas was the one who welcomed Paul. And he discipled him and he spent time with him, teaching him. And, and just think about it. We wouldn't have everything we read about the Apostle Paul doing and, and everything that's in this Bible if it hadn't been for, for Barnabas. And how important that is for us as as we are are followers of Jesus Christ, to be people who will will welcome and and enfold and and, and people of all backgrounds, wherever they come from, wherever they are in their life, whatever uh, problems they're facing right now, be that Barnabas that will welcome people in so they can find that place in the God movement that they have, that Jesus has for each one of them. And so then we read in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas were in the, the, the church at Antioch. And we read in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, uh, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Menean, who had been uh, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And this launched the, the first of Paul's three missionary journeys. Uh, if you look at this map, you see the uh, city of Antioch over here. And then you see as uh, Paul took the gospel to Asia Minor and to Macedonia and Cai uh, as, as it spread all across the known world. You see on this map uh, different cities that, were, uh, that Paul reached or that, uh, where church sprung up. And then Paul wrote letters back. To these churches. And so, if you look at the chart again, you, you see the, that um, those missionary journeys are recorded, uh, and uh, you see the, the three missionary journeys, and then you also see the one that uh, took place after the book of Acts. And as you look at this chart, you see that uh, this will help you, if you're, if you're, especially if you're new to reading the, the New Testament and Acts and, and something called the epistles. Now, I know when I first heard that word, I I didn't know what that meant. I thought, well, maybe there's apostles and their wives were called epistles or something like that. (laughs) It's kind of a weird name, but but it's just a fancy way to talk about letters. And as churches were started, as I said, uh, Paul wrote letters and other of the apostles wrote letters uh, to these churches and to church leaders. And so after the first five books of the Bible, the Gospels and uh, the book of Acts, we have these uh, 21 letters or epistles, and then there was the book of Revelation, a book of prophecy at the end of the New Testament. And so uh, when you open up your Bible, what is the, the first book that you come to uh, in the New Testament? You come to Matthew, right? We have to be reminded, as we've been reminded throughout the story, is that the, the Bible is not uh, organized in chronological order when we, when we read through it in this way. And so, uh, you would think that was the first book uh, that was written, but as you see from the chart, uh, on the right-hand column, it shows the letters that were written and who wrote them. If if it's in parentheses, it means someone else wrote it. If it's not in parentheses, then we believe that that Paul wrote it. And so, uh, as you look at it, you see that the first book of the New Testament written was believed to be James. And then the first book that Paul wrote was a letter to Galatians, the Galatians. If you look over to the left, you see that what was taking place at the time that Paul wrote to the Galatians was a council in Jerusalem that's recorded in Acts chapter 15. And so uh, as we, uh, that council was taking place because the uh, leaders in the church uh, in Jerusalem we're hearing about all of these people, these Gentiles that were becoming believers. And this teaching was, was going about that as, people became, as the Gentiles became believers, they were teaching that it, was, it involved two things were necessary for salvation. Faith in Jesus Christ, choosing to follow Jesus, but there was something else. Faith in Jesus plus circumcision. All males needed to be circumcised. They needed to become Jewish as well. These two things were necessary. And so they, they come back, uh, Paul comes back, and uh, Paul and Barnabas are sharing stories of the miracles that are taking place as these people are coming to Jesus, and they're not circumcised, and there's this discussion that goes on in the council, and from Paul, and then Peter takes leadership, and then in Acts chapter 15, verse 11, we read this. Peter stands up and says, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as the Gentiles are. It is my judgment, therefore, in verse 19, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Not two things, but one. Faith in Jesus Christ is is necessary for salvation. And they make it clear in that council in Acts chapter 15. And it's important to think that's not just an issue for the church in Acts chapter 15. But it's something that we have a temptation as well ourselves. It's easy for us, and I have the, the formula there, Jesus plus blank equals salvation. Without even realizing, it's easy for us to communicate to people that it's, it's Jesus plus, you know, as a missionary going to China, it's it maybe, you know, it's Jesus plus becoming sort of American because that's the Christianity we know. But, but as missionaries in, in where we live, live, it can be, it's Jesus plus listening to this kind of music. Or it's Jesus and dressing this way. Or it's Jesus and uh, cleaning up your act in this way. Uh, we, we, we add on to the message of Jesus. And we need to, as Peter said, we should not make it difficult. It's Jesus and his grace alone. And you see on the chart that the first gospel that was written was Mark. And then after that was First uh, and 2 Thessalonians. And uh, we read on page uh, 416. If you have your copy of the story, you can look at page 416 where Max Lucado gives a description of uh, Thessalonica, where Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica, probably about AD 51. Thessalonica was a bustling port city of 200,000 people, the largest population in Macedonia. And with much emotion, Paul recalled the believers' response to him and the gospel message during his recent visit there and his longing to see them again and his encouragement when he received a good report about them from Timothy. What was that good report to this early church in Thessalonica? Uh, if you have your Bibles and want to open up to First Thessalonians chapter 1, or if you look at page 417 there in the story, we see in First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, and the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. And so as, as Paul uh, and Barnabas and the other missionaries came to cities like Thessalonica, they became imitators of Paul and of the Lord in that they didn't just uh, come to Christ and then keep it to themselves. They spread that word in their Jerusalem, in their Samaria, in their Judea, and to the ends of the earth. As, it describes, as Paul describes, the message rang out from them. And this is true of the churches that were, were birthed throughout uh, the, the uh, first century world at that time. And so I want to uh, just, as that, with that as a background, I want to just stop and make one observation, first of all. And that is, as we gather this morning, most of us are Gentiles. Unless I've got it wrong. I know we, in our uh, congregation we have some people who uh, are Jewish uh, in origin. And they have become followers of Jesus Christ. So we do have some who are not Gentiles. But most of us are garden variety Gentiles. And as you stop and think about it. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus extends to us? The grace of Jesus extends to us. And it's his grace alone that, that uh, brings us back into a relationship with God. And if this morning you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, aren't you glad that this morning you don't have to do something else. You can come into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We include in our program each week, and if you, if you look on that next page, page 5, at the top of the column, uh, there, there's a description of how this morning you can become a follower of Jesus. Admit your condition before God. Believe that Jesus is God's only solution that he's given to us and choose to follow Christ as your Savior and Lord. And there's a prayer that's given there in the scriptures and right where you sit this morning, you can make that choice to become a follower of Jesus. And for all of us who've made that decision in the past, aren't you glad? Where would we be today if the blood of Jesus didn't extend to us? And yet it took a missionary God's plan was to use a missionary and Paul fulfilled his part of the plan. And it takes a missionary today. Think about it. Each of us who are a follower of Jesus, there was someone God used to, to walk across a, a room or to walk across the gym or to invite us or include us. I, I, I think of the young life leader who was on my high school campus. I think of a coach. I think of a fellow basketball player who who modeled a Christian life for me. And and those were people God used for me. Think about your, your story. Who was it that God used to bring you, to include you, to invite you, to introduce you to Jesus? As you think about that person, I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 29. Okay, of course... That's, that's an old uh, pastor's trick. There is no Acts chapter 29. There's only Acts 20, 28, and then it ends. But this, the story of the church does not end with Acts chapter 28. And the, this call to be missionaries to, to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth doesn't begin. It just, uh, doesn't end. It's just beginning. And so Acts 29 is being written today. Acts 13, verse 47 says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is our story. We call it the Acts of the Apostles. Well now, if you will, it's the Acts of of PFB Purpose Church. It's the Acts of, of you and I together joining to be the body of Christ for the world we live in today. And we are seeing God is up to something here, right now, in this place, we have seen in the first seven and a half months, just in the first seven and a half months, over 150 people baptized in in this church, or through the ministry of this church, and and and, and hundreds of people impacted for Christ. But it's not about those numbers. It's about one person, one at a time, one missionary who, uh, one unlikely missionary who, uh, a, a student who reached out to a teacher, one I, unlikely teacher who. Who reached out to a student, one parent who shared the love of Jesus with a child, or one child who shared the love of Jesus with a parent, friends, co-workers, classmates. It's about each of us answering God's call one at a time. Here at PFB Purpose, we use the Greek word oikos to talk about the the sphere of influence that we have. It's a word from the Bible that, that talks about our extended household, those Friends and neighbors and family members that you spend time with uh, or know on a, on a weekly and daily basis. And we are called, each one of us, to be missionaries to our oikos. To change our world. Unlikely missionaries who go through a conversion and then we change the world for one person at a time in our oikos. That's what the the, the the things that are listed in your program are all about. If you look through this, you'll see all kinds of opportunities. And it's not so that we can make you busy and, and keep ourselves busy. It's, it's so that you know the people in your oikos and what will help to reach them. Maybe it's not first coming to a service like this. Maybe it's playing volleyball. Or maybe they're going through grief because they've lost a loved one or They've, they've experienced separation or divorce or, or they want to strengthen their family or they are a high school student. Look through this and you'll see those opportunities to reach them for Christ. You see, our commission is the same as the church of Antioch had. Our commission, our goal is not just to be witnesses in, in uh, Jeru- our Jerusalem, but to be uh, witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I want to show you uh, just a, a graphic for a minute. It'll start to roll here. And these are just some of just some examples of the kind of ministries that are happening uh, from the 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 people that you pray for, the the gifts that you give uh, through PFB Purpose Church. These are ministries that are happening right here in our Jerusalem and and Judea in the in the local area. And then uh, as as we extend uh, opportunities to be involved in those things and be missionaries here. And then throughout North America, our Samaria, the larger region, we see uh, missionaries as we commissioned Rachel Harding a few weeks ago to, to go to Arizona. As we uh, have uh, Rhiannon here and, and Mary here from the hangar in Montana. As we look at the places we've extended God's love through through relief. And then finally, to the ends of the earth, you'll see a, a long list, but it's only representatives. People started giving me ones that were, were left off, and, I, and there are many. But examples of missionaries who were sitting in this church or, or were in our children's ministry and our youth ministry and were called by God and set apart for God uh, for service, like the Bates and, uh, and, and like others. I know a missionary that I met with and, and Pastor Glenn uh, talked about last week. We'd love to be able to tell their story. You see in these areas... Uh, an unnamed missionary in a restricted place, a story of God taking the gospel to these dangerous places through people who've been called and supported out of our ministries here. Uh, the, the list continues on and on, and there are uh, teams that are, are going out all the time, short-term teams and relief that's being sent out, as we talked about, relief this morning sent to refugees in the Middle East. And right now we have a, a team in Zambia. Uh, we do a ministry in Zambia all the time. Um, some of you who uh, ch- did alternative Christmas giving in, uh, at Christmas time purchased chickens and uh, pigs and cows to, to help individuals and in villages uh, in Zambia. But we have a team right now in Zambia. And last night, uh, Pastor Andy uh, gave us a report on their experience. So they're, they're there now. And this is a report just as of last night of their experience in Zambia
1: family, this is Andy Shoemaker, team leader of Zambia Mission Trip and junior high pastor. And we are in Andola, Zambia right now as I'm recording this uh, message. And we're serving actually, serving at a place called Isumbo, which is a phenomenal ministry uh, for orphans that have a shelter home for kids that have illnesses for women that either need help or have been marginalized in some way. Basically, it's just an industry outpost to the needy, and it is doing an incredible job, an incredible work, and do a few salt and in a dark place and doing great things for, for the kingdom. And so we all kind of decided to go from a leading from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We actually have... A few major stories about impact and, and what we've seen by bringing the gospel all the way over here, and actually one of the uh, stories was about a boy named Angela who was one and a half years old. We went to a children's hospital, and we're just kind of going around praying left kids that were either burned or had a broken bone or another disease. And we were as we're going through, I was praying for a boy one and a half years old, almost the exact same age as my son, Teen. All of this in him, and as we're praying for, for Jesus to be there, this boy who was in pain from a head burned in a fire. Uh, he actually had bandages all over his scalp, and he was given a moment of relief. We're praying that God would, just like his name, that God would be with him, that God would be with us, and, and Jesus showed up. The boy actually smiling while he was uh, coloring and laughing, uh, it was an all-around one of those God moments. We got to share the gospel with the mom who hadn't heard it, and it was an all-around life-changing, uh, thing, but not only for them, but, uh, for the team also. We've seen the kids run around with smiles, He get blessed through stressing projects and different things like that, but most of all from just being with them and, and bringing the gospel and, and being salt and light being representations of Jesus Christ his love sitting down with kids listening to their stories and as they talk about Jesus has impacted them and where they've been where they've come from one one of the boys was actually you know he was found in a building that had burned down and parents that they were leaving forgot about him and is found him in this in, in, in the rubble and brought him in and he's been a part of the family ever since it has been amazing, being just a Uh, a minor part of a much bigger story that's going on with the gospel being proclaimed in all parts of the area of the world. Watch the Holy Spirit. So we thank you guys for supporting us, for for praying for us, and we ask you guys to continue the prayer. We come back this Thursday. We're going to need your guys' prayer to get through. So blessings, and we will see you when we get back. Bye.
0: My only regret is there's so many stories I want to tell you. There's a new ministry. We're going to have an opportunity to do a ministry on the right at the border in Mexico that is just emerging. It's so exciting. You'll be hearing about that. There are so many opportunities. Next week, we pray for Jordan Castaneda, a uh, high school graduate who's uh, training for working uh, to fight human trafficking over this next year, and uh, it goes on and on. God is up to something big, and he's calling people to himself uh, to make that decision to cho- choose to follow him, and just as we commissioned all of those people I just talked about. Uh, this morning, God is, is taking, uh, calling each one of us, you and I, as unlikely missionaries. And the more unlikely we are as missionaries, the more God uses us and the more God gets the glory. And he's calling each of us to reach our world. Uh, to, as we have experienced that conversion begin, new life in Christ, to reach our oikos and to reach our, our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And so I want to end this service a little differently. Instead of doing a benediction now, I'd like you to stand and I would like to do a a commissioning together as we leave uh, this service today. And so just as the the Church of Antioch, in the the midst of their worship experience, Barnabas and Saul were set apart. In this worship experience, each one of you here this morning, as a follower of Christ... We commission you, we set you apart to reach your world, your oikos, the people that God's going to put you in contact this week, the opportunities he's going to give you until we meet again, and he'll get all the glory. Go and serve and experience the miracles he's got for you this week, and we'll see you again next week. Amen.